Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ABZ show. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Muhammad Sabune. Muhammad and I work together currently at Rainmaking Venture Studio. And we met each other, uh, actually, we started working together two years ago, but I think we met you three years ago. You were this geeky kid with a laptop in an event trying to fundraise for your company. And we sat on, um, I remember I sat with another colleague of mine on the desk and I said, oh, I like this geeky fellow. He's, he's very smart. And then our paths crossed, uh, ironically, a couple of months after. So, hi, Mohamed, yep. how are you? Good, keep okay, all good. Yes, and so um, tell the people who is Mohamed Sabuna and tell them what did you do and what are you, well, we already know what you're doing now, but you know, yeah. how did you get here? Following what you, what you said just now, uh, we met at the Endeavor, meet, Endeavor thing yeah. in Amman, I think that was in 2018, yeah. Uh, definitely the, the, the backpack, what I can, it was, um, I took it everywhere with me, the laptop. Um, how did I get here? Um, it's been, I've been working for startup for seven years, almost, I don't know. And um, the way it started is actually post my MBA. I'm a mechanical engineer, completely different field. I didn't like doing work in it. I worked with a company. They threw me in the desert for a couple of years. Uh, so I decided, no, fuck the shit. I'm not, uh, I'm not doing that. So I did an MBA. I switched completely, went with, to work with the venture capital firm for a couple of years. And then I got the entrepreneurial bug. I decided to start Moodfit, which was back then was the first online interior design and furniture platform in the MENA. So we launched that. We To date, we raised almost a million dollars for it. That I did that for a couple of years with two of my co-founders, Tari and Hassan, up until the end of 2019, where things started to go south back in Lebanon. So I decided it's time for me to move and then join Sorta Bootcamp. And that's how we started working together in a way. Yeah, no, so uh, I, you know, I, mm. I personally know the story, but uh, mm. uh, and mm. I know that you had your, you know, diverse experience in both, you know, uh, I remember, um, so for the audience, we, everybody who's ever worked for me in any company knows that we usually do something called a feature culture, where yeah. we had people you know, summarize their lives in five minutes and 20 slides without them writing about it. And I always, I always remembered the pictures of you in the desert, I think in Libya, right? If I'm not mistaken. In Algeria. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Just explain to me, like, what really triggered the, this is not for me moment. I, I want to know more about, you know, you know, the second you, was it the second you got there? Was it halfway through? Like, what happened there? I got into mechanical engineering because that's you know, the, the Lebanese and I imagine Jordanian Middle Eastern guys. You know, we're good at math, we're good at physics. What are you going to do? We're going to go into engineering because we didn't really have a lot of uh, career orientation proper. But I, I like I working with cars. I still like cars to date. So I thought if I go into mechanical engineering that I'm going to end up working in cars, uh, designing the engines, the kind of things. Obviously, that didn't work. I mean, um, I ended up working on oil and gas. So already at, from from the moment I graduated, I thought, okay, this is something that I like in theory. But coming in coming in as a fresh grad working in oil and gas, they uh, I went into Algeria directly. I remember, and the desert is nice. I mean, as a as an experience, just living in the middle of nowhere, 400 kilometers 
from the closest city. It was a nice experience in the beginning, but I realized after a couple of months that this is not something I want to keep doing for the rest of my life. I mean, it's not, it, it didn't excite me. There was nothing that made me, okay, I'm going to go out every day and then solve something or, 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 or do something different. And uh, I decided after two years, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go back to the office, try the engineering life in the office, see if it's any different. That didn't pay. That, that didn't work out. That failed miserably, actually. I stayed for seven or eight months. Also, it didn't work out. Uh, and decided to do the MBA. I saw the MBA as a way to really just shift around my direction, just restart from, from scratch in a way. And then either I go back to something more exciting in engineering, or I was, I was lucky enough to, to, to have a very good advisor back then, a mentor, uh, one of my professors who told me go into venture capital. So I did my thesis on venture capital and this is what really set me on this path. And I like it. And I like it so far till now. I mean, dealing with all these ideas, these startups, it's something I, I look forward to on, on a daily basis. That's amazing. Yeah. Especially that there's, uh, uh, you know, you had the whole transition of you saying, questioning yourself, saying, ah, oh, this is not really for me. But then, mm. and then, you know, you decided to take one step that led into another, that led into a person who, you know, four years down the road right now, I'm guessing. Yeah. You still remember that pivotal moment when that person told you, you know what? maybe this is something that you should do with either venture capital or something. And, um, you know, I've personally had some of these, even working in my job saying, ah, I don't see you there. Maybe you should do that. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's something that is very, very, uh, I think, big part of decision-making and a big part of, you know, wh where you are right now. Let's talk about your last year of experience. I know you went through literally every phase of the accelerator life. Uh, you've worked with, you know, you worked as an entrepreneur in residence, and then you were uh, the head of operations, and then you ran a program, you know, you were the managing director of a program. Tell me, like, more about that last year. What did you learn? What would you like, like to learn that you thought that was missing out of there? I did the VC side. So I'm, I'm going to start from that because for me, there's three perspectives to this ecosystem if you want to if you want to call it sure. so there's the investor side uh that's where i started i mean and that's where i learned everything related to the deal structuring the investors the the, the this kind of things but um it was very observational in a way because we didn't really get involved a lot in the day-to-day -day things we didn't understand what to, so we Back then, at least for myself, I'm saying that very candidly, we had a lot of concepts in our head. I mean, we need to look at this and this and this, but we, we I personally didn't really understand what, what, what was the value behind it. Why do I need to do that? Why does it matter? What's friction in a startup? What, what's friction in a market? What, it, what does it take to really solve a problem? All of these things are just like, we, we, we use them very lightly because we didn't, we never really, I was never really in the shoes where I had to build something. But but the answer that the, the advantage I got is the the access to the investors, the the network, understanding a term sheet, all the legal aspect of of of, uh, of the fundraising. So that helped a lot with data. This lack of understanding of the fundamentals, which is this is what led me to to jump ship back then and then decide I want to start Mootsuite. Actually building it, building the concept, designing it with my co-founders. Uh, and running the day-to-day the, the operations and then actually getting funds to, to, to run it, um, 
it was completely different experience. I mean, life changing in a way, and then career changing. But if I had to, but it just summarize what my my two biggest lessons, I would say number one is actually getting stuff done, getting your hands dirty and and shit, and and on day to day basis, and actually closing tasks. This is something that I always struggle. I used to procrastinate a lot. I still do sometimes and don't, don't tell my boss. Uh, uh, so working in a startup, not relying on someone else or or having a very rigid structure or structure to hide these things just cleared me, taught me to actually get stuff done. So, uh, and things of a way to do it. And the second th- thing I, I guess is um, uh, letting go of ego and, and a team, especially as a founder. Uh, dealing with other people, <laughs> you're smiling. <laughs> I see that you get beaten so much that at the end of the day, okay, fine, I, I'm, 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 I'm fine with that. You can, uh, I don't take per- things personally anymore, uh, most of the times. Uh, <laughs> and um, where I learned to let go of ego when discussing with other people, especially co-founders. So I, I learned to value the other perspective, the other side, the other the, the approaches and not get stuck on my own personal side of things. But that these are the two things that I guess I learned a lot repeatedly the hard way. <laughs> I, think, yeah. uh, I think that, uh, you know, even in Arabic, we have something called, uh, you, know, uh, you know, tough skin, you know, in Arabic, the same time set, right? So tough. Mm. So uh, I think something that is very, very important, which is if you don't have the skin and the ability to accept um, criticism or uh, people criticizing your product or if you don't have the stomach for it then honestly entrepreneurship is not for you it's it's something that is um, um, I have to say it was very humbling because um, and then also seeing things in people's eyes you know how people perceive certain things because I'm sure you know you know your startup uh, your company Mutvid uh, you thought that the second you're going to open it, that you're going to fix a million uh, problems in a month, right? And then mm. and that's to me that what fits the one has a million problems that needs to be fit. And yes, uh, to be a self-starter is something that is very important. And this is something that, you know, I know you're good at it because I work with you. But, you know, um, you know, looking at the mountain of tasks, especially in the beginning, you know, the startup in the beginning has... So much stuff to do. Yeah, exactly. There's, you know, you said you had two co-founders. Well, the two co-founders were, you know, the marketing, the freaking cleaning, the, the everything of the company, right? So, uh, yeah. you know, I remember once we were fundraising for a company myself and uh, uh, we had a water leak in the kitchen, I think, I remember. And we were like, me and the co-founder, we came out like our our suit was essentially wet because we were trying to fix the drain a because we didn't have that much money to pay for a plumber and b said i can fix it you know what i mean we had to yeah. be kind of mentality and that and and that's something that you mentioned very well and i'm gonna ask you though on that question so so what changed when you moved over to that to the to the accelerator side from that whole because vcs you know they they kind of have a lot of the theory saying, oh, if the company doesn't do X amount, if the companies doesn't do, um, uh, doesn't have this much money, uh, this this much uh, customers or this much employees, you know what I mean? Like they, they try to put people in boxes and, you know. What changed? 
I think the combination between the VC side and the startup side grounded me when dealing with other startups. If uh, made me more, more practical. And and you, I mean, in our line of work, you hate a lot of bullshit. Let's say, let's say it as it is. There's a lot of there's a lot of pictures. There's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of misconception. Sometimes founders or startups, and I made that mistake plenty of times, they pitch stuff and believe that they have something that is worth it. But eventually when they go and to the market or to investors, they hit that the first slap. I mean, when dealing with startups through the accelerator, I, I can I can see that. And, and, and the funny is that you see some founders taking that feedback and sometimes they're just too in or too convinced of themselves or with their story that they... You can't you can't do anything for them. No, I agree. No, I agree. I mean, you well, know what? Uh, I don't know. Like I I love most of our startups. I'm not gonna say all of them, but um, uh-huh. most of them. But there is that look in people's eye in like week number three or four, where they say, "What have I gotten into?" You know that that mm-hmm. whole like they thought they had uh, a unicorn and then they they barely have anything on them right so they know that it need they need to roll their roll up their sleeves and actually do the work uh yeah you know what i mean and they think you know the second they join a program whatever yes we will give them a tons of access to a lot of mentors and investors and but it's it's not just because you know like startup bootcamp was a step further to validating their problem but it's not the reason why this will be a unicorn. And people, a lot of times, often get that um, get that confused. They say, you know, once we we're in um, when we start a boot camp, it's gonna rain. It's gonna rain money. And I'm like, no. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I remember I had, even when in the beginning of the fintech program, you told me don't stress too much on the fundraising aspect. And back then, I. To be honest, I, I, I understood this 50%, but throughout the program, I completely see your point now. We are no way we can guarantee to anyone that you're going to fundraise. Going into an accelerator, regardless of who they are, is it Startup Bootcamp or any other, there's no guarantee that you're going to raise money. What, what's going to raise money in every case is that you go out there, get some, get some validation, get some numbers, and then go back. And uh, what we do is just open doors. The, 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 the relationship between startup and investors or corporate partners or any of that is up to the startup completely. They need to choose which door they need to walk in, right? So, and something that I, I, I see a lot is uh, exactly what you said. People think uh, money is the major problem. But I'm telling you, and you know this, uh, when we look for an investment or when I look for an investment, is we're looking for people and we're looking for people who you just ex- explained 10 minutes ago saying, you know, people who are willing to learn, people who wanted to get their hands dirty, people who are uh, can't take criticism because a lot of people cannot do that. You know, they're they're married. Like, and, I, and I told you, we never take passion projects. We never say because this person had a passion in fixing this. We never We never look into that. And that's something that is very... Uh, threatening in my opinion and mm. we need to look into that so tell me right now for you Muhammad, what is your BHAG as Muhammad Sabuni? 
I mean, I, the, I could I could tell you I want to build a unicorn, but I mean, I'm, 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 I gave up on that, I guess, in a way. I'm not, I'm, I'm more practical in a way in my goals at this point. Uh, I like solving challenges. So working with startups is enough, but I mean, that's not a goal if you want to qualify it as a goal. Mm. I mean, I don't see my myself working all the time from one perspective. So in the future, I might jump back to VC. I might start my own startup again. Uh, so I'm looking for my next exit, I guess. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Which makes yeah. sense. I'm, I'm, you are working in a venture builder, so you we yeah. keep you know popping factories. And you know, uh, a part of mm. me, and it's something I think we've discussed before as well, is I'm a big believer in this new zebra concept, where it's you know the startups are very collaborative, so that means they work with a lot mm. of companies. B, um, it's not a big exit. It's every three to four years. Uh, you know, you sell, you know, what people don't know is even acquisitions and, uh, and, uh, and mergers happen around the $25 million range, which is still a lot of money mm. for founders. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I think like 98% of the world's transactions um, happen around that number anyway, you know, and um, somebody once gave me a crazy number, like in the Middle East alone, there's over 20,000 startups. And 20,000. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? And there, we've only had two unicorns. Okay. So that's mm. essentially one in 10,000. So what... odds are crazy low. I mean, uh, even if you want it as an objective, I mean, there's so many things working against you. There's so many things out of your control that the odds of that happening are just ridiculously low. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And mm. some things, you know, like uh, I can tell you even the smartest, most, uh, uh, resilient uh, founders, you know, nobody ever expected COVID-19. Nobody expected 2020 to be what it is. I think that took people out of so many comfort zones that people are really, really, uh, like people that really did well, really went out of the box. While other people mm. said, let's see how we can survive this. You know, like yeah. how we can grind this. So this is something that was very important in my opinion. Okay, so going back to your BHAG, I can tell you one of my BHAGs is to get an acquisition in 18 months. And that's why I, that's why one of the reasons why I want to do uh, what I'm doing right now in venture building is because mm. I don't see how fast we can build and sell a company. That is actually a BHAG. So, you know, so yours could be like, again, I'm not giving it to you, but I'm saying like, I want to sell five companies in the next 15 years or something like that you know what i mean like because that is a very attainable behalf for you by the way fyi so two things i'm guessing exiting at 50 uh, exiting at 50 million exiting company at 50 million uh, like uh, in the next five years i would say okay. and then that that could be it yeah yeah the, the, we have we have other i have other ideas but i mean if if that that would be the main one i guess if, if we're talking from the entrepreneurial side, I'm not, if we're talking from the investor side, I would, I would say, try, I want to, I want to give it a try to actually raise a fund uh, for early stage companies. So thinking like a 20 million fund or 25 million fund to invest in early stage seed and pre-seed companies. Uh, also, I would say these two, these two, these two goals in the next five years. 
Nice. One nice. of them. Yeah. Nice. All right. So um, one, I'm going to ask you the, my curveball question that I ask everybody. Okay. And then I'm ready. Get ready for this. So what superpower would you have or what superhero would you mimic if you had the chance? Time travel. Really? Why would you do yeah. the time traveler? I would go forward in time. Okay. I, I don't, I, if, if I had to be more specific, it would be time travel to the future. I don't care about the past. I want, there's so many exciting things in the future. I would just want to look, look around. Okay, let me ask you a bit more about that. So what's, yeah. what is the future that you like? You want to look for? Okay, because a lot of people, when they said, and I'm not going to lie to you, <clears throat> a lot of people in the on the show said time travel, I think three other people, but everybody mm -hmm. went back to correct something in their life. You are the yeah. only one who wants to go future. So tell me yeah. what's the reason behind that. Whatever I, I did, it's done. I mean, it's, 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 it's whatever made me today who I am. I'm fine with my mistakes. I'm fine with the stuff I did right. Um, the, the reason I want to go forward is uh, I want to see where we're heading in a way. Uh, I want to see the old, uh, I want, I want to travel through space. I want to see the new okay, technologies. I want to see, I see you know. the we as in mankind or as in Muhammad Sabuni? Both. I mean, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to have a role. I imagine if I travel to the future, I'm not going to have a role in building that future, which is fine with me. But I want to take that leap forward, like 200 years, 300 years in the, in the future, see where we become as a, as a, as a race. And are we going to go to another planet? Or are we going to... I love science fiction, so I, I want to see what we're going to do with all of this. I mean, we're seeing all of these Tesla, not Tesla, SpaceX, uh, uh, galactic uh, will we do, will we uh, destroy ourselves as a race or are we going to actually like explore the space and explore and, the universe and interesting you say that because i know you've been talking about uh you know we've been talking about startups and stuff like that and there's three major you know big monster startups who are actually um you know companies that are pioneering the space and pioneering the space technology which is virgin galactica mm. uh, spacex and uh, blue origin if i'm not mistaken yeah and these are all three companies. And I think space is a big, um, it's the next frontier, literally, you know, we're, yeah. we're going to go all tracky yeah. uh, yeah. on everybody, but, uh, but it, is the, it, it, it is the next big frontier. And I, I, I am kind of very excited, especially when you look at some of these uh, space programs where they have, they say, we're going to start colonizing Mars in 2030 and 2035 you know 2035 is right across the you know i know it's 10 15 years from now but um but it's still right around the corner right you know what i mean like you know that's a lot closer than when i was a younger gentleman you know what i'm saying so um i, I admire that and i think that's a super cool uh, superpower uh, and i didn't ex I, I i i thought you'd say more of a taskmaster superpower knowing you because you're you're very good at building tasks and finalizing tasks quickly but anyway um would you like to put any final words uh to tell our audience something you know maybe something about your journey or summarize what you'd like to tell people in i like to get comfortable with the idea of risk so i encourage people just to if there's something they like if they feel uncomfortable with something career-wise life-wise country-wise anything just take the step Eventually, everything will be fine. I mean, I guess that's uh, take the risk. Yeah. Nice.
Nice. Well, I worry. Yeah. You are very wise, my friend. And uh, it's, it's the years. It's the years. It's the the the, the, the white hairs. You know. <laughs> yes, yes. I know all about them. So, well, thank you very much, Ahmed. Thank you, audience, for listening. Enjoy until next time we meet. Take you care. too. Take care. See you. Bye.